Peace be to you. Henry the Cardinal of Evil. Let us begin with a question. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Curiously Catholic, an Evangelion production. In this podcast, we're going to be picking the brains of Catholic enthusiasts to try and get to the bottom of how to live truly as a Catholic in contemporary times. My name is Dominic Malgeri, and in this podcast, we have Adele Routin. How's it going, Adele? Hey, Dom. Good. How are you? Pretty good, thanks. So, um, what have you been up to recently? Well, we're in level three lockdown, so I've been busy with my toddlers and work and family life. It's been good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the state of the world at the moment, it's all a bit mad, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, for those of you that don't know, uh, Adele is one of the co-founders of Evangelion, a new apostle that's been started by myself, Adele, and Lindsley. We spoke to Lindsley in the last episode. And so we're just going to get to know the team a bit and uh, get curious about our Catholicism. So, Adele, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Where you're from? What's your faith background? Are you a convert? Are you a cradle Catholic? What's the deal? Okay, so I am a cradle Catholic. Um, I was originally born in Malaysia, but we came out here when I was about six months old because Malaysia is a very Muslim country and um, my parents didn't really want to raise me in that environment. Um, So I'm grateful for that. (laughs) And I guess I grew up in a a charismatic community, Um, went to a Protestant school um, and I guess I didn't really have much exposure to my Catholic faith until much later in life Um, yeah so I married my husband maybe yeah it was about five years ago I should know that (laughs) Um, and Mm -hmm. we've got two kids and it's yeah it's, it's been a really interesting journey I think my faith life has really developed in the last few years when we became really serious about learning our faith in order to pass it on to our children. Mm. All right, so would you say you've only really started coming to grips with it more as you've entered into married life? Yeah, so um, I guess when I was in my early 20s, I went to Hearts of Flame, and that was my first real taste of actually understanding my faith a bit more and realizing that there's actually resources and ways to find out about it. Um, So I was exposed to different things like theology of the body and um yeah just different things that I hadn't come across before and it just got me really interested in learning more so I guess it started at that point but really seriously developed in the past few years or so right right um so prior to um marriage and uh, discovering theology of the body what uh, what kind of Catholic were you just like a Sunday Catholic like go to church get uh, one hour a week kind of Catholic or was it just a uh... yeah so I w- I would never miss a Sunday mass um, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I guess in my university years I was a little bit into partying and that sort of thing so I. I wouldn't say that I would have taken my faith seriously. I was definitely a Sunday Catholic and I fulfilled my obligation mostly because I thought that I didn't want to disappoint my parents. (laughs) Um, So I didn't really claim the faith for myself until Hearts of Flame, I'd say. What led you to going to Hearts of Flame? Good question. I can't even remember right now. I think it was just something that was, I was about to start my job um, straight out of uni and I had the summer 
and then I I guess I just heard about it through some friends. Um, I'd known Brendan Malone doing things through Catholic circles and things like that, and I knew he was involved, and I think I knew some people going, um, and then they offered to give me a ride. I was like, okay, why not? And I'll spend a week mm-hmm. doing something fun. And, I was, yeah, my, yeah, definitely exceeded my expectations. Right, yeah. How would you, exp- how would you uh, describe Hearts of Flame, or that experience you had at least? It was just this immersion into a Catholic bubble, um, you know, just being surrounded with other people that also were passionate about the well, were passionate about the faithful stop, and um, it was just this really great environment where you could just authentically be Catholic and not have to worry about what other people think, and um, which was yeah, I guess kind of rare from the background that I had been. <laughs> what was it? so yeah? So the background you had, it was um, people. You were more concerned about what people thought when you mentioned that you were Catholic. Yeah, totally. Like when I was um, in primary school, like this incident sticks out to me. And when I think we were in a, it was some sort of Bible class or something at school. I was at a Protestant school and somebody started talking about Catholics and saying things that weren't true. Like they're saying teasing people, teasing Catholics. They didn't know that I was a Catholic. They were saying Catholics worship Mary and doing all these like, you know, bowing down, like just kind of mockery. And I... Mm -hmm. I kind of just sat there just really quietly and I didn't want to say anything because I didn't even know. I didn't know what I, what it meant. I was just a kid, but I just remember feeling really embarrassed because everybody was ganging up on the Catholics. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember having a similar experience. In, I, I used to go to this Alpha course when I was at uni. Um, this was before I was Christian. Uh, I went basically because they gave you a free meal every Tuesday evening. So, and, you know, watch a TV show with Nicky Gumbel. What a great guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Nicky Gumbel? I don't know. Anyway, um, and I remember this one time we were in small groups afterwards and when the lady leading the small group, uh, Catholicism came up and she was like, oh, yeah, but those guys worship the Pope, so they're not really Christian. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not correct. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know anything about anything. <laughs> I'm literally here for the free food, but I'm pretty sure they don't worship the Pope. <laughs> uh, so, that, yeah, I've, I've experienced some of that growing up. Um, but you said you you so you had like some Protestant influence. Uh, how would you say that the Protestant school or like the Protestant environment kind of uh, influenced your faith as a whole, your relationship with God or the way you viewed the Bible? Or yeah, so I guess I it was good in the sense that I was really into the Bible, so I I knew like you know. At school, we used to do Bible quizzes, and I'd always be like the top of the class, that sort of thing, memorizing scripture. So some of those scriptures that I learned have stuck with me to this day, which is awesome. Um, but I just think that looking back, there were definitely some mistruths, or you know, just not the full picture. And I later in life, even just a few years ago, or just th- things I bring up now, and um, my husband will correct me and be like wait, where did you get that idea? I'm like, oh, is that not right? (laughs) So yeah, I guess it's just really subtle things that I didn't realize how to influence me. Um, But just as a whole, it's just like, it kind of led me away from the faith, like in some respects Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. I didn't realize. Yeah, because I had an experience of that as well. Uh, I went to secondary school at the Church of England school. Mm. It was St. Aidan's, who's actually a really cool saint, if you want to look up a cool saint. St. <laughs> um, Aidan's Church of England Technology College, whatever that means. And I remember 
I went there again didn't believe in God throughout the whole of school um, and uh, then it was my f- at my first university so I was about 18 years old maybe 19 and I for the first time in my life met a Catholic <laughs> there was this American um, exchange student she was over doing a semester in, in uh, Ormskirk and as she said she was Catholic I was like ooh they're dodging aren't they? I was like, she's like why I was like I, I don't know <laughs> and then, uh, like I do know now it was because I've been indoctrinated by an Anglican mm-hmm. <laughs> secondary school but um, yeah I, f- I found that interesting because like those, it's funny how those things stay with yeah. you and like there's just attitudes that you have in the background mm. but yeah I guess you know uh, that that was kind of like one of the steps along in, in my conversion story if I was to go back to the very uh, beginning um, that's one of the things that let us you know kind of one of the things I had to break free of mm. uh, in order to make a step forward, but I still didn't convert for another maybe uh, four years after that. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting. We have all these different influences, and you had that Protestant influence. So, yeah, it had its benefits of, you know, helping you with the Bible, but, yeah, it kept a few other things. Yeah. So moving on from school, um, you, were, you were at university, and did you have, like, any... Um, how did your Christianity look? then because you said you Catholicism was kind of a obligation to your parents at that point still yeah so um what happened was I was part of this um I guess you'd call it a youth group um and I ended up leaving that youth group um and what happened was all of the friends I had were from that youth group and I basically ended up in a situation where I had no friends anymore. So I was at my oh, in my second year of uni um, trying to figure out how to make friends. And I just reconnected with some of my school friends. And then I got pulled into this crowd of partying every weekend with them. And, you know, I was like, okay, cool. I have friends again. I didn't necessarily mm-hmm. know how I felt about partying, but um, I just kind of went along with the crowd because I... I don't know, I didn't really have much else to do at that point. Um, And I would basically just turn up to mass on a Sunday morning, um, sometimes hungover, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realise how bad it was at the time. (laughs) But yeah, it's it's a shame. But yeah, that's how I ended up there. So my faith was basically a Sunday thing. And um, I I ended up going to World Youth Day, actually, around that time. which one was that? It was the Sydney one, and right. that was my that was my first experience again of um, being in. This is prior to Hearts of Flame, being in a in a like a world <laughs> that was fully yeah. Catholic. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. But then you come away from that, and then you know I was thrown back into this whole partying world without even having any of my roots or understanding of the, you know, why you shouldn't go out drinking and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I just fell back in with those friends because I didn't, yeah, it's important. Because yeah. when I first met you, uh, you were running CYP. Yes. Um, out of that, um, was it a gallery? Uh, yeah, it was an art gallery um, in yeah. town. Yeah, so what happened was I... I think I was, I'd probably been partying for maybe a couple of years and I, there was just this one instance where I was like, I woke up the next morning, I was like, you know what, I'm just really over this, this is just empty and meaningless, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and I, at that point, I realised I need to 
start getting serious about my faith because I can't, I felt like I was living a double life. I, um, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I'd always had a relationship with God, but I, I knew that I wasn't living that out properly. Um, mass on Sunday for an hour just wasn't cutting it. So I ended up, I think it must have been, I, I started having these feelings throughout the year and then it was that um, January, the following January that I went to Hearts of Flame and I met some of these people who are now some of my really good friends, including your wife. <laughs> um, and um, I was talking to Eli Moore, who was on the way back from Hearts of Flame. I think we stopped off on the on the convoy back to Auckland um, and we were just having a McFlurry at the McCafe. And I just told him, I was like, you know what, I'm finding it really hard in my in the corporate world where the pattern is you go out drinking, party hard, work hard, play hard environment. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just really hard to be a Catholic and there's nobody around for support or anything, even if you want to try. And so I, I just shared this idea with him. I'm like, let's just do something for the, for people in the working world who actually want to, you know, find a way to, to grow, you know, to, support each other in this state state of life and so he really liked the idea and I just we just got together with some friends I think it was in one of the Mm -hmm. meeting rooms at PwC where I was working at the time and we just started Mm -hmm. talking about it and we eventually launched a few months later with these monthly like networking and formation kind of events and um yeah that's it was one of those events where I met my husband (laughs) that was pretty cool too Um, yeah, because I think, yeah, you, I remember you said you had like a, uh, a group of girls that were like, like accountability partners or something, uh, when I first met you, uh, I don't know if that was, oh yeah, that I was, misheard you yeah, right? it was just one of my friends from school, actually, right. we found, we were on a road trip together and I didn't even know that she was Christian, um, and she didn't oh. know I was a Christian and we ended up getting really close after we found that out. Um, and we oh, just, yeah. just, it was just at her house once a week or so, I'd go there after work. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, um, they were a Protestant group of girls, but you know, it just, it just helped me start on that journey of like trying to, mm-hmm. trying to find some support and being serious yeah. about my faith life. Was that in your partying days? I guess it was, it was probably like after I made that decision to stop that, um, Okay, so you're still at university. No, I, I was, sorry, I, I, timeline's a bit messed up in my head, but yeah, I was right, working, yeah. I was at PwC at that stage, and so, yeah, I, it was like the last, maybe the last year or so of uni, and then, you know, the first mm-hmm. year of working, and then I, re- when I got into the work environment, that's when I realised that these big corporate firms, it's a work hard, play hard environment, you have to pretty mm-hmm. much go out drinking with the big bosses and everything to, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to get yeah exactly. To, to socialize, yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Schmoozing. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm. uh, yeah, very interesting. So, uh, you start, so what was it like having that community of girls um, whilst you were um, working? Was And that was alongside CYP? That would have been probably the year before CYP got started. So, um, okay. yeah, it was it was good. Like, it was nice having like a safe place where you could go and just pray together and feel supported and like started to feel like I could be, you know, more myself. (laughs) And, um, yeah, yeah. but I guess when I talked to Eli after Hearts of Flame, that was when I, it was, you know, during that year where I was thinking, you know, I I really feel like I 
am missing something in my Catholicism. So, you know, like, even though I was catching up with these girls, it was, it it didn't feel like it was going as deep as it could have been, maybe because of the Catholic-Protestant barrier, I'm not sure, but yeah. Yeah, Did you find much conflict between them, them and yourself, like, uh, just attitudes or anything, or did it, it was just kind of like, it just didn't go as deep as you'd like it to? Yeah, it wasn't really conflicts, but yeah, I mean... I guess I maybe it was more just I felt like I was holding back a part of myself because, oh, you know, know, you just want to fit in with the rest of them and not bring up anything that's controversial right, or whatever. I yeah. see. Yeah. Because, like, I found, I found that, like, um, whenever you meet another Christian, the initial friendship just skyrockets really quickly because mm. you've got this, you've got this understanding, this yeah. level of knowledge that, like, no one else has. Yeah. And I especially found that at... Um, starting my degree um because like i was saying in the last episode with Lindsay, um you know this is this degree is essentially my first experience completely outside of a catholic environment except you know i suppose the only catholic environment i'm in i'm in at the moment really is um online um and at home because obviously yeah my wife's Catholic, <laughs> you know, and when I go to church, but like, um, before that, like when I converted at university in Wales, I was part of the Catholic chaplaincy and had a Catholic group of friends. And then when I left there, I went in w- to spec, which is another Catholic environment. Mm. And then I worked in the Catholic chaplaincy in Auckland yeah. and now I'm just in the world. And I've noticed that there's uh, been a couple of people that, you know, we start talking and then we find out we're Christian. All of a sudden we're praying for each other. Mm. We're talking to each other, like, in this really personal way. And it just starts this uh, connection, which is really cool. Yeah. But, yeah, one of the things I've had to really challenge myself with is kind of, like, don't hold back because it's so easy to. It's kind of like, it's like, oh, where do you go to church? Oh, yeah, just uh, church out yeah. west. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, I, 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 don't, I don't just go to church. I go to mass. Yeah. Like, oh, what's that? It's like, oh, you asked. You asked. Now I'm telling yeah. you. <laughs> you know, it's like... And, like, I'm just, like, clenching as I'm saying, it's the coming together of heaven and earth. <laughs> <laughs> Read John <Yeah>. 6. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I've actually found it, it's been really fruitful because then they've asked more questions and more questions, and I'm like, just convert, just become Catholic. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but uh, I know it's a lot harder than just, just doing that uh, uh, when you've got your whole family. Yeah. Um, so you, after CYP... How long did CYP last for? Mm, I don't know, maybe three years or so. I think I was still doing it after James was born. So, yeah, I had my maternity leave and, yeah. And you say you met your husband at CYP? Yes. He he turned up, sat in the front row next to you, actually. And uh, (laughs) I just still remember him looking up at me. And I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) New guy in the front row. Like... And it uh, just an enamoured expression. And she's like, oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still remember that look on his face. Yeah, it was pretty cute. <laughs> oh, cute. Because uh, um, the first I knew of you two uh, being interested in each other was um, theology of the body with Maria. Yeah. Um, and I understand that theology of the body is quite a big part of your life now. Was that the was that the first? time you'd done Theology of the Body? Uh, so the first exposure to Theology of the Body was at 
Hearts of Flame, and um, mm-hmm. it, I think it was just like a one session workshop thing. But I was completely enthralled by it because mm. I hadn't understood some of those teachings. Like, for example, something that stands out for me from that first session was I think they were talking about IVF, and I didn't know what was wrong with IVF. And mm-hmm. interestingly, my mum was set to be the first woman in Malaysia to have IVF. She was, this was 30 years ago or so, and mm. there was not much teaching that the church was giving about the ethics and morality of IVF. Mm. And so they were struggling to have a child. Um, and it, I think she was set to do it in August or something, or July, August, and then she got, she conceived in July or something like that, you know, they conceived in July, so they were saved from that, and so it was just really interesting to hear about how, you know, the teaching about how when you, you know, conceived in a loving marital embrace versus Mm. created in a lab, and I was just sitting Mm. there thinking, oh my goodness, like, I exist Mm. out of a loving marital (laughs) relationship rather than having been a created embryo in a lab you know (laughs) it just it was really cool hearing that and so I think that's just what got me from the first instance with theology of the body so just for those that maybe don't know what theology of the body is could you just give us a quick overview of what theology of the body sure uh, is and what it means to you yeah so it's a series of I think there was about 183 audiences of Pope St John Paul the Great um back in the 80s or something I can't remember exactly but um he he used to do these Wednesday audiences in St Peter's Square and he was just talking about um I guess why do we have a body and you know what does it mean and how you know the theology of the body like how God reveals his love to us through our bodies and why Jesus took on a body and you know but it's yeah it's it's really amazing (laughs) Well, I mean, just like those questions alone, it's like things you don't even think of. Like, why do we have a body? It's like, why would you even think that? But then, uh, then asking the question yourself is like, actually, why do we have yeah. a body? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then it's like, actually, it, God taking on flesh. It's like that doesn't make sense, mm. you know. Uh, but I suppose you know that's the whole gospel story. And I suppose it just just thinking about those two things right now for me is like it just brings the gospels alive and mm. uh, the fact that jesus would become flesh is just doesn't make sense yeah. but like christianity doesn't make sense without it you know, at the same time <laughs> so um you you first uh had a uh session with field of the body at hearts of flame yeah you led that session um Jeremy Palman before he was a priest. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. uh, the Hearts of Flame I went to, what year was it? 2013? Okay. 2012? 2013, I think. Yeah, he led, he led a session then. At that, it wasn't a priest mm. then either. Um, he led a session on Theology of the Body then as well. I don't know if I'd already heard of it by then, but um, yeah, that's cool because now he's our parish priest. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you first heard about it then, and then from there, where did you go with Theology of the Body? So my next encounter with it was uh, was around, it would have been 2014, just around the time I'd met Adam. We hadn't um, really sparked up even a friendship at that point, but Maria Pays was um, doing one of her sessions, like one of those six-week courses at um, Christ the King, and... Um, to be honest, I used it as an excuse to get Adam to come with me to, 
<laughs> to, um, to this course. So I invited him along as an excuse to become his Facebook friend and message him. And ah, smart. worked smart, like smart. a charm. <laughs> Is, is, is that a tip you use for uh, any girls looking to find guys? Yeah. Find a Theology of the Body course and get a guy to go? Totally. Is that what you say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So were you organising that or do you just invite? No, I was just um, I was just registered. Um, you know, I thought it was cool. And then it just happened to be the first time I managed to have a proper conversation with him was the week before TOB. And so I just used that as an excuse mm-hmm. to, to be like, hey, this course is starting. <laughs> I can give you a ride. So, uh, Oh, yeah. I guess you can't. You kind of made the first move. Then, I huh? totally did because he thought I was married, and so he wasn't getting any of oh, the hints. Right. I used to wear <laughs> rings on every one of my fingers, and so he thought that I was married, and he wasn't making any moves, even though I was being really obvious. And I'm like, "Come on, right, man!" Right. <laughs> He's like, "I feel sorry for this girl's wa- husband. <laughs> She's been really yeah, <laughs> yeah." Um, yeah, so it was on that course. I think it was probably about the second week where we became a couple. Um, mm-hmm. Which course was that? What was it called? It was called Freedom to Love. I think you and Jess are on that oh, yeah. course, right? You, Jess yes, was like my were. group leader, and I think Adam mm-hmm. was in your group or something. And then um, okay. I just remember we were holding up the class one day. We were just skipping to the classroom, and Maria just looked at us, and she's like, oh, these two have gotten together. <laughs> oh, yeah. really? So you actually got together during – it's like a five-week course, yeah. right? Yeah. All oh, right, so those five weeks was uh, five weeks of magic. Yeah. How has um, theology of the body influenced you since? So after that course, I guess it was just really good because we got engaged pretty much at the end of the course. <laughs> there you go, ladies. Five weeks to find yeah. your home. <laughs> Um, and then married um, a few months after that. So it was actually a really good foundation for our marriage because, um, you know, it helped us, uh, like, understand all the practicalities of living out, you know, the church's teaching on things like NFP and chastity and all of that sort of thing. Um, So, yeah, and just, I guess, loving each other the way that Christ loves the church. So for us, theology of the body is like a really strong part of our marriage it helps has helped us to to strengthen our marriage and um it was actually a huge part of my I don't know if I'd call it a reversion but getting really passionate about my faith because it was in uh, maybe like the year after my son James was born I slipped over one of his toys and I hurt my back really badly so I was flat on my back for about a month and I couldn't do anything. I, I was literally like, I had, we had to get family to come and look after James and do the simplest task like making lunch. And you know, how, how old was James? He had just turned one, I think. Mm. And um, yeah, I guess I was just feeling a bit hopeless. Like we were at that point where we were wanting to start trying for another baby, and then this thing happens where I like can't even look after my family. And I was lying there mm. feeling completely useless and just thinking why is this happening and um I at that point I was starting to feel that way and I thought okay I've got one of two choices either I lie here and feel sorry for myself or I make the most of this time that I have where I'm literally just lying around (laughs) um and I chose the latter and I picked up a book it was actually it happened the month before that theology of the body conference that you guys hosted yep. and yep. um 
I think at that conference, I got so much out of that conference, but Maria recommended in her talk this book by Christopher West. So I read the book while I was lying there recovering. And then that sparked, sent me on this journey of getting really passionate about my faith. So I then started looking up YouTube videos of Christopher West and his talks. Then I that got me on to um, Father Mike Schmitz, and then that got me on to Catholic Answers, and then Catholic Answers, oh my goodness, that was just like learning my faith from scratch, and right, just yeah. everything. <laughs> I, you know, I got on from one to another, Dr. Edward Sree, that helped me heal my whole Mary issue because of the Protestant influence, you know, all, wow. and Scott Hahn as well. So yeah, it was just, oh, wow. it was just like this really amazing, intense time of just within the space of a few months, I just became so passionate about my faith. And even to the point where I I think it was maybe a few months later, I found out about Marian consecration. And right. for me, okay, coming from a Protestant school where everybody mocks Mary, I was kind of like, I was a little bit anti-Mary as a Catholic. So for right, me yeah, to I'm get to so. the point where I wanted to do completely consecrate myself to Jesus mm-hmm. through Mary. That was a big deal. But, you know, just right. that just shows the kind of journey and progress I made. Cause I think I didn't, I don't think I even really understood that the Eucharist was Jesus <laughs> before I started learning my faith. So yeah, it was pretty yeah, yeah. cool. It was, um, yeah. Cause uh, there was that Pew study that came out of America that 70% of Catholics in America at least don't, believe the eucharist is the real body and blood of christ yeah I mean, it's insane because like i think that's it's such a fundamental part of my faith uh um yeah like but it it, it is two it is two of those big hurdles i think for catholics mary and the eucharist mm. i mean it's just look at what happened in, in gospel of john when jesus taught about the eucharist everyone left him, yeah you know um but yeah it's uh it's it's interesting so it sounds like that Gosh, man, you managed to flip that time round. Eh? Yeah. You're on your back, and what an absolute blessing! I mean, it's just—it's amazing how we can um, change our situation just by our attitude. Mm. Because I mean, I—I I remember I uh, when I fell off my skateboard, I had an uh, operation on my wrist, and I was in the hospital for like 24 hours, and it was awful. Mm-hmm. I was like. I, don't, I, don't, I just like I was like oh, I'm going to use this time to read and I was like no, I'm not reading I hate life because my arm was in pain <laughs> you know it's like it was just my attitude was just completely wrong but like man I'm almost jealous of the time that you had like just the, but like also the willpower to to use that time yeah and to like to give it to oh, God oh man I feel like that that injury was my biggest blessing well not my biggest blessing my family's my biggest blessing <laughs> but, but you know it was just it was the thing that completely changed my life because I if I hadn't have you know had that opportunity you know I like I'm so I mean people always say to me I I feel so sorry for you and you're in constant pain all the time and it's hard for you with the kids and all that I'm like well actually I'm actually glad it happened and and, you know at the very least when I'm in pain I've got something to offer up so (laughs) yeah I'll take it so you know it gave me a completely new appreciation for suffering and that's something that I started getting a lot more interested in and you know why do we suffer and that sort of thing I have a lot more to go on that journey but (laughs) all right well what have you what have you learned so far because I found um suffering is a big thing that came uh to like the the concept of suffering is something that really um has 
entered into my life in the last few years uh, through becoming a father and uh, owning a house. It's like it was just like 2019 was just the year that God was like, okay, I've been waiting for a while, but now I'm going to give you everything. It's like it's three years of infertility mm-hmm. and then coming to the end of my time with chaplaincy and then God just said, okay, leave the chaplaincy. And I, I f- it was kind of be like being thrown out into the ether. There was nothing to grab onto. Um, so I left my job and started full-time study. We got a baby and bought a house mm-hmm. and we had to renovate the whole house and we had two months to do it in. <laughs> and it's like, you know, God really provided through all that, but like it was a real um, time, <laughs> like, because I'm, I'm a very social person. And so uh, if I need to get something done, I'm like, okay, just get a few mates around. We'll get it done in no time. Yeah. And God God took all my friends away from me, not in a d- dramatic way, but they were all on holiday because it happened over summer. Yeah. I was like, no, no, you, you've got to do this. This is your time to, you know, take ownership of the life I've given mm. you. And it was a case of I, I don't know how to do what I'm doing, but I'm in charge and I have to get it done because I've got a family to provide for now. Yeah. And so that's like, it's like, ah, like a different kind of suffering to injuring your back. But um, I'd be interested to hear about your insight into suffering. Yeah. I mean, I would love to read a book about it, but you know, just, if I just hear random snippets of talks, I'll, I'll try and listen to it. So I'm not an expert, mm. but I guess where I've got to is just, I guess nobody in life is exempt from suffering. I mean, Jesus was as our like ultimate like you know example in all things, um, but he suffered. You know he um, just look at the passion, <laughs> but um, for mm-hmm. us, I guess to to be given an opportunity to suffer is to be given an opportunity to unite ourselves with him in the most you know in in such an intimate way because you know we're I don't know how to put it into words, but you know basically we're we're becoming like him, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to mm-hmm. become other Christ. That's the whole goal of our Christian life. And mm-hmm. so for us to be able to unite our suffering to him and, you know, in just an instance where I'm like, I'm having a killer day with my back pain and the kids are just, you know, climbing all over me. And I can just think of a friend who's going through something tough and being like, you know what, Lord, like, you know, I give this to you, you know, you've got my pain and, it's an opportunity to pray for somebody else. And I've heard that being able to do that, especially in the case of convert, when you're praying for a friend's conversion or a family member's conversion, offering up your suffering is like, is a super charged way of doing that. So I always try to remember that and it actually makes the suffering meaningful. So yeah, I appreciate when I have an opportunity to offer something up, which it sounds weird on the outside, but yeah. Yeah, no. Trees of Lisieux, um, was uh, like the th- the the saint that really made me start thinking about the concept of joyful suffering because mm. uh, she 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 went through a lot like emotionally and then physically with her tuberculosis and the way that she dealt with people and she lived a joyful life in a very simple way it was kind of like okay this is how I need to be I think yeah, it was twenty. 2018 or 2019 I um, got a Kindle for Christmas and I was like first thing I went on free Catholic books <laughs> and there was a, a commentary on the story of the soul mm. and I read that in like 
two days, which is really good for me because I'm dyslexic. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was like, right, I need to get this story of a soul. And I downloaded story of a soul, and I would and I was glued to that book. Mm-hmm. I would read I would read a chapter, and I'd be like, actually, I need to read that again. And I just read it again, and like I literally never do that. There's only one other book I've done that with, and that was Bishop Barron's uh, um, book where he, he talks about how he started Word on Fire, set a fire to the earth or something oh, cool. like that. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, so S- Story of the Soul has been like foundational for me in trying to understand suffering. And it like, she she became my patron from that year on. It's like she's she's the the flower that, you know, blooms for yeah. me, um, to use her language. But mm, yeah, yeah, so cool. it's interesting. Like, man, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. I just, and like, I, it's weird. Like, I almost get, when I, when I see something difficult come up, coming up i'm like yes this is an opportunity for me <laughs> to to enter into suffering yeah. and then i'm like oh it's gonna be difficult because yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> i think that's a, it's a misconception people get it's kind of like oh you know joyful suffering so, oh, so suffering's joyful it's like no 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 it's suffering <laughs> you just learn how to do it with a smile on your face yeah. <laughs> you know but like i think especially going into the lockdown i realized a, a lot of flaws in my life like uh <laughs> I kind of do it half jokingly, but if something starts going wrong, I go, ah, oh, it's all over. I give up. Just like <laughs> completely fall to despair. And I feel like that's actually something that's deep in me that I'm actually, it's like, it's like, wow, I would never associate despair with my personality, but there is an element of it there. And it's like, I've just, just since last lockdown, I've been like, I need to get rid of this. <laughs> but like, it's, it's a mortal wound. Um. So yeah, that's, that's your faith journey in like what, and it's led you to here today uh, where we have uh, launched an apostolate called Evangelion. Mm-hmm. Um, so could you tell me a bit about Evangelion? Yes, I can. <laughs> um, <laughs> my mind's gone blank. Um, so basically the idea is we want to, we've experienced this beauty and richness of the Catholic faith and we want the same for everybody else and we I guess we have thought about how we want to you know how that has happened for us and like you heard with my story it's meeting those speakers on YouTube and the books like Christopher West and Scott Hahn and all of that like they were integral to my faith journey if I hadn't have learnt all of those things and just been set on fire like through their YouTube videos and you know that sort of thing and when I talk to people and I and I mention like have you heard of Dr. Edward Sree and all his amazing talks people are like who (laughs) So, so I think New Zealand has yet to be exposed to all these beautiful people who can, I think, really have the ability to help us set our faith journey on fire. And then once we're on fire, we can then go out and, you know, evangelize others and let's make the whole of New Zealand Catholic and then the whole of the world Catholic. And yeah, that's the yeah, idea. Yeah. Well, yeah, it definitely has gone from the New Zealand to the whole of the world very quickly. Hasn't yeah. It? Um, so uh, before we get into that, um, how how did you get involved? How, you know, how did Evan- Evangelion start from your perspective? Yeah, so that would have been, I think it was the day before New Year's Eve, just a few months ago. What are we now, August? <laughs> this is like eight months ago. Yeah. Um, you turned up 
you and Jess and Jemima turned up at our house and we had lunch together and everything and you just casually mentioned this idea around the dinner table and as soon as you said that I was just like yes that would totally work so I think you said something about let's just find a group of friends and pull all our tithes and things into this one bank account and then once we've got $10,000 because that's how much it would cost to get one speaker out let's just fly them out to New Zealand and so it started with a really simple idea that for me I thought yes let's totally do that and then as you know it has grown exponentially ever since that first lunchtime meeting and then I think we it was a blessing this this lockdown really the first lockdown because that's really what gave us that opportunity to have all these zoom meetings and talk about it with Lindsay Mm. and you know we decided yeah let's do this for real yeah so it was um just it was what 2019 December 2019 when I pitched the idea to you and then we didn't have our first meeting until March Mm -hmm. Um, what happened to you in that time period regarding Evangelion? Yeah, so I think you just mentioned that idea and we hadn't talked about it again for another few months or so. And mm. I just kept feeling like it was, it wouldn't, the idea wouldn't leave me alone and it would come up in my mm-hmm. prayer time. And um, yeah, I just, I mean, I guess I've always felt like, I needed to do something. I've always felt like I wanted to do something for the church. So, you know, I've been involved in youth ministry and, um, you know, was youth group leaders and things like that, you know, for most of my life. Um, And then, you know, I started CYP and that sort of thing. So I think God's definitely put it in my heart to to work in his vineyard. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I became a mum and, got busy and I was working and everything and I hadn't really been doing anything and I'd just been feeling this itch like I need to be doing something um mm-hmm. and so when you you said that idea I just felt like God just wouldn't let me leave it alone um <laughs> which is really cool you know um and yeah what did that look like for you uh, I guess just maybe things certain things would stick out to me when I was doing my bible readings or just you know mm-hmm. um I think it was coming up a lot in uh, Bishop Michael's Holy Week retreat when he was like, you know, those um, online ones. So, yeah, it was just in lots of different ways. But I think I'd always, in the back of my mind, had some sort of idea, like, you know, wanting to get, maybe it was probably a really small idea, like, let's get one person out here. Um, You know, because I had grown up in the years of the Eucharistic Convention where, you know, I'd go to the... A's Green Lane Convention Centre or wherever it was and you know there'd be this room filled with filled with thousands of people and these international speakers so you know I guess in terms of my background I had been involved in that sort of thing with my parents and I I thought it was amazing and then yeah I guess I hadn't really been going for many years <laughs> um so right. when you when you mentioned that I, I it kind of brought me back to those days I was like yeah that could be really cool and you know, if we get a great speaker, let's fill a venue and let's set people on fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so then we had our first meeting in March, thanks to lockdown and Zoom. Um, how, what was that first meeting like for you? When we start, when, he, when we first had that meeting, it was me, you and Lindsley. I don't think you'd met Lindsley yet, had no. you? No. Yeah. yeah, we were Facebook friends somehow. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, really? I think 
we met back in C, in, my, in the CYP days. I think I had. Right. I used to talk to everybody, um, and then yeah, so we must have become Facebook friends, and then hadn't seen each other for years. So mm-hmm. yeah, reconnecting. It was um, mm-hmm. it was pretty cool to meet her, and I'm just trying to think back to that meeting. Um, I think we just got really excited by the idea, but I can't honestly. I couldn't tell you what. It was. <laughs> we talked about besides from mm-hmm. you know like let's pray about no, it yeah. let's you know like I think we mm-hmm. left it for didn't we leave it for a, a while and then was it a month, a month I think was, and yeah. then yeah so that's when holy week would have happened and then because you know you, you were yeah. like just think about things and you know pray yeah. about it and because we didn't even have a name or no. anything did we hey? yeah gosh man but, but honestly Times ever since then Every single meeting, it's like things were falling into place, left, right, and center. It was like the Holy Spirit was with us from day one. It was amazing. We couldn't mm. even believe it, you know? Like, And then when we got put in touch with Charbel um, at Perusian yep. Media, oh, my goodness. Like, those meetings and the things that would come out of them. And then when we would re- meet again as a team, and oh, it was just mind-blowing. I cannot – I mean, if you, if you weren't part of the journey, <laughs> I'd love to convey it, but I just don't even know how because – yeah, it was amazing. The Holy Spirit. So obviously, like, it's, you know, from what you're saying, and I was obviously there, it, it's super exciting. Yeah. Uh, the start of it. It's like, how how do you feel now? We're, what, five months down the road. We've, we've gone from <laughs> let's all tithe into one bank account to starting a limited company, a blog, a podcast, um, getting involved with uh, Perusia, the smart Catholic, uh Running a virtual conference in uh, what are the dates again? It's the ninth to the eleventh of October. Yeah, yeah. It's how do you feel about it now compared to how you felt about it then? It's kind of unbelievable. I mean, mm-hmm. like when you say five months, I'd be like, really? <laughs> are you sure that wasn't just a few weeks ago? Because I feel like I've been living and breathing Evangelion. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just that's it's all I've been doing really. Well, besides trying to be a mum and you know do my job and everything like that um so it's been a really full-on intense time but just so exciting you know um learning new things and um man I'm like emailing with some of these like really high profile speakers and it's just mind-blowing like opening my emails every morning I'm like another speaker (laughs) so exciting (laughs) no yeah I I get it yeah right because it comes up on my phone it's kind of like it's like uh you see, it's like, oh, who's that? And it's like, it says Betsy. You're like, who's Betsy? <laughs> it's like, it turns out it's the assistant to, uh, uh, I can't remember. One of the Don't speakers. say it, Tom. We haven't announced it yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, and it's like, and then uh, I remember I read the emails and then you were like, Dom, can you not read the emails? Because then I don't know who they are. <laughs> but yeah, for me, for me, one of the exciting things has been getting in contact with the other Catholic podcasts that I, I listen mm. to. And just when they email me and like I get an email with my name from then on, I'm just like, well, I, I've been listening to you for months. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I know you personally, but you, you know my name. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, of course, you know my name. I signed off with my name. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it's been such an, uh, an absolute whirlwind of a, of, a, uh, mm. of, a, of an experience. And so what is the what's the um, what do you want to say to other people? people listening the thousands <laughs> listening what would you say to them about evangelion to get them involved 
I guess, um, good question, Dom. <laughs> um, I guess I just want them to get really excited about our mission um, because, you know, this is the Great Commission. Like, this is what Jesus said to his disciples before he went ascended up into heaven. He said, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. And that has really stood out to me for so long. Like, you know, it just my whole life, I don't know, that, that verse has stuck out to me. So obviously God has been, you know, this is the, it's not just for me, it's, the, you know, he's placed that call in each one of our hearts. Like that is what we're supposed to do as Christians. Um, and so if, yeah, I, I feel like this, I mean, it worked on me, right? <laughs> getting, um, getting these speakers to come and have these conferences and, you know, get excited about our faith, learn about our faith, not just through conferences, but through, um, you know, getting to know our faith and, you know, ways like your podcast and, um, you know, different things like that. Um, just getting interested in our faith in a, in a way that can get us excited enough to, to be contagious. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I guess that is really what our mission is. And so if, if you want to get behind our mission, um, I guess the best way to do that, uh, I'm not one to ask people for money, even though I'm an accountant, but that's what we need to, to make these dreams a reality. You know, like even if it's just $5 a month or something that you can commit to, if, you know, like hundreds of people commit to, you know, the price of a cup of coffee per month, um, you know, we can make this dream a reality to get, you know, Scott Hahn or Father Mike Schmitz out to New Zealand, you know, that would be amazing. I think that's the thing of, it really is. It's, um, it's, 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 it's tough asking for money, but like what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring people over here Mm -hmm. and like, we're not, we're not trying to get rich doing it. (laughs) You know, it's not like, no, we've got a get rich quick scheme where you give us money and we'll do something eventually. (laughs) It's about, it's about, you know, these people that are in that you discovered when you were, you know, bedridden for uh, a while, you know, you want to in, in, in invite these people to um, New Zealand that the New Zealand faith might grow, mm. that it might be ignited, that it might have a life and not just life, but live it abundantly, mm. as it says in the scriptures. Um, so praise the Lord for that. Well, we've just hit the 50 minute mark, or well, about 50 minutes, almost 51 minutes. Thank you for joining me on this uh, second episode of the Curious Catholic Podcast, Adele. Thanks for having uh, me, Don. Any words to sign off with? Uh, oh, how about our tagline? Let's go out and share the truth and love. <laughs> Amen. So we'll just end by saying a uh, quick St. Michael, the Archangel prayer. So if you join me in the name of Father, Son, Son, Son and the Holy Spirit. St. Michael, the Archangel, defend us in the hour of battle. Be our safeguard against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, a prince of heavenly hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all other evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me, Adele, and I'll see you later. Thanks, Dom. <laughs> God bless. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on our second episode of curiously catholic if you want to find out more information about the mission and work that we are doing please go to our website at evangelion.co.nz and as adele was talking about please do donate to us so that we can ignite the whole of new zealand 
We have a Facebook page as well, Evangelion Sharing the Truth and Love. We have an Instagram page as well, uh, Evangelion NZ. So please check us out and stay in touch. Like, share, and subscribe. God bless.